The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees, and the Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, BC, Canada. Sarah Durham Wilson is the author of Maiden to Mother, Unlocking Our Archetypal Journey into the Mature Feminine. Her own mother died when Sarah was just a teenager and life sort of spiraled from there for a while, but she came to professional success through journalism and her stints writing for the likes of Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, Spin Magazine. She also found her voice on social media a decade ago as Do It Girl, a popular blog sort of slash Facebook presence for young women seeking a spiritual experience. But it was hitting rock bottom, struggling with substance use, and just kind of chaotic dysfunction. And then becoming a mother herself, through which Sarah came to understand the trauma of being an unmothered woman. She's since deepened her studies, diving into the works of Marianne Woodman and apprenticing to the myths of Inanna and Ereshkigal, and devoting herself to the work of elevating the mature feminine as well as her activism work, her intersectional feminism and decolonization, divesting from whiteness and the eradication of patriarchy. I want to thank Sarah for being so open and honest about her experience, and just a mild content warning for those who've struggled with bereavement or drug use, abandonment trauma, just that whole complex of pain, as you can imagine, that this episode may be a little hard at times, but I hope you'll find it helpful and even hopeful more often than not. Please welcome to the podcast, Sarah Durham Wilson. So Sarah, what identities do you lead with? Did you prepare me for this question? <laughs> Life has prepared you, Sarah. Life yes. has prepared the, the, the mother. Hair, yeah. Should we go with like forged or crucified you for this or... <laughs> oh, yes. I'm a priestess. I'm a warrior. I'm a leader. I'm a mother. I'm a lover. Um, I'm an earth steward, I'm an eco-feminist, I'm a witch, I'm a goddess, I'm a teacher. Um, that feels good. I'm a writer, but I, I really, do. I'm a storyteller. Mm. Big, big difference. I found out through patriarchal publishing. <laughs> big difference there. <laughs> writer and storyteller? Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel that. So, okay, you said a lot of things. How was um, that? Was that a good answer for the first time? That's fabulous. That's fabulous. <laughs> I, is it okay if I like, and this isn't at all, you know, the quality of my looking is not harsh or interrogative. This is genuine curiosity. Um, when you say, um, yeah, for instance, I'm first through all that. Grab through it. Let's start with the first one, priestess jumps out to me. And so how would you def- define that? How do you know that you're a priestess? I'm so glad we said yes to this podcast. All right, because I already I, I love these questions. Okay, um, priestess, because that is not always the jam. I'll tell you that that's not always my experience. Um, so, <laughs> priestess is a right hand woman of the goddess. She is. Uh, she fights for the mother and she rallies the troops for the mother and speaks for the mother and heals for the mother and leads for the mother. So she walks in this world embodied as mother in her flavor of priestess with her skills uh, as priestess, but mm. it's, it's a life of service and leadership. Mm. And are there like archetypes, perhaps um, in unseen realms, perhaps deities, or, or maybe even living icons um, that you would say. And so you look at this woman, she is a priestess. 
me. <laughs> <laughs> As we have said, and so it is. So it's been like, and... you gotta claim your shit, you know right. what I mean? Um, so yeah, me, <laughs> you don't wait around for other people to tell you who you are anymore. Um, stop at me. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So the follow-up question. that so deeply in such a real way. And right now I, it's all I can see because I'm in this huge initiation around like super claiming that role. Mm. So I'm just in like, that's what I do. And because I've moved out of patriarchal consciousness to the best of my ability and ever, ever a lifelong walk out of it, um I don't compare really or see other I don't focus on it I just I'm in the dark doing my work so mm-hmm. I don't have like peers do you know what I mean totally. I'm self I'm that self-actualized that I literally have left all like who's doing what behind yeah so do you think of but when you're like looking to the spirit realm for model like I think many people would be like oh Inanna but of course I, I thought you were talking that. about present day women yeah, or other unseen realms. Okay. Oh, unseen realms. Oh, I mean, so many of the goddesses, you know, um, Inanna. Well, so there, there no, Inanna was, I call Inanna an initiator mm-hmm. and a rebirth guide. Um, and Freya, I'd call a warrior and a queen. Um, Black Madonna, I would call, you know, mother of all, uh, Kalima, I, you know, I would call truth and fierce love and awakening. So yeah, I mean, the priestess archetype is something that as I moved out of the maiden phase of my witchhood, um, it, it's the me to we that we talk about in maiden to mother. So now like, I'm not just doing spells for myself. I'm literally bringing cov- huge covens together to do, um, I'm just going to do this because like, I want, I want to show you, I'm literally doing like pulling like huge covens together um, uh, with, with the, with the force of the goddess, you know, all visualizing, seeing the same thing, um, standing for the sacred, moving the women from the, to the front line of their life, to the front line of the world, you know? So it's like a galvanizing of the mother within within mm-hmm. the, and it's a, that's a, a certain way I priestess so I can't speak of ways others priestess I I rally and raise the women into warriors of the great mother and that all I'm doing is helping them remember who they mm-hmm. actually are and so then you claimed a little later I am a goddess and what do you mean when you say I am a goddess well you're a goddess all women are daughters of the great mother you know, we're all of the same mother and the great mother was the goddess. What does that make us? You know, we are carved from the same clavor. We have all, we and the, the, the earth and the moon share the same healing and regenerative properties and cyclical cycles of seasons and phases. Like, you know, uh, the earth, the great mother is the goddess. The earth mother is the goddess. The children of the earth mother are the goddess. And so what does that mean is that pre-patriarchally all women, you know, like within the culture of uh, the, you know, the Celtic feminine wheel that I work with and the Nordic wheel that I work with um, is that like, we knew we served the great mother. We knew we were carved in her likeness. We each had a gift to serve here. We each had a purpose and those were our goddess born gifts. And that's what made us 
connected us to the great mothers, these beautiful healing gifts that just, you know, in our flavor. And it's like, for me to come into the, the woman is to come into the goddess. And that's why I did this work. I waited for my mother. I remembered that all women were the goddess when I was, you know, newly in this patriarchal world. And I waited to see her rise in my mother and she never fucking did. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, my work is to raise the goddess in women as well, you know? So mm -hmm. the pre, you know, the patriarchal version of a woman is garbage and a colonial construct to victimize and, and, you know, um, make women infantilize women, um, make them dependent. And the, you know, the, the power and the depth of our ancestor mothers were, were goddesses, were warriors, were queens, um, destructors, creators, you know, um, and that's what I like to wake the pre patriarchal mm -hmm. woman who is the daughter of the mother. How do you define mother? Which the big M or the little M? The little M. Uh, a biological mother? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Okay, little like, M. So <laughs> little M for me is is the mother, whether she was adoptive, biological, guardian, in the the mother figure in a house in which you grew up in. Okay, and so when you are in your book, Made into Mother, you're talking about this journey but it's also, it's a spiritual journey. And so what, about, how, how do you help those who've a chosen not to have children or are deciding I'm not going to care give in that patriarchal bullshit way. And, and I want to have this more um, fulsome experience that is not the patriarchal heteronormative one. So if they're like, yeah, the word mother doesn't really resonate with me. And yet, you know, you may have things that are applicable. Guardian. I love guardian guardian and my daughter's protectress and guardian and she-wolf she you know what I mean mm -hmm. so with you know I, I love guardian and if they didn't have kids do you see that is still a mother archetype or is it something different if they're like creating or they are you know how are they members in um in, in this, or does it apply? Like, are you talking to people who are caregiving other humans or are you also talking, talking to about. people who are not? Do you know the answer? And are you asking me to pull this out together? Or are you no, I'm genuinely asking. I'm genuinely asking. As a journalist, I'm just wondering, like, is this how, is this to get the answer that she's, I'm like, it's so, because I just think it's really interesting. I'm no, I'm genuinely wondering, are you, are yeah. you applying this archetypal journey to people who are not caregiving children? When I say mother, archetypal mother, I'm talking about our seasonal reality as a human. I'm talking about that every human has in my, and if you come to me and want to work with me and like this whole life stages thing I do and claiming our seasonal reality and knowing that we have a birthright to live each season of our lives fully, which means die to the last season <laughs> to come fully into the next one. So that we have a spring, a summer, a, uh, a fall and a winter, you know, I'm, in the Celtic, you know, tradition, it's made mother crone, but they, they miss this MAGA empress time, like right here in the Northeast, I'm in it, where everything is just like, I'm going to go out within a thing, like, <laughs> the most glorious way, you know, like fully like empress out, you know, like, <laughs> 
before I settle back into the crone, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kids are out time. of the nest or I'm out of fucks or whatever it all is, you mm-hmm. know? And you still have that active energy, right? Mm-hmm. That lively energy, which I clearly have a lot of. And I'm always working. I have a ton of <laughs> Kundalini and it freaks people out. Like I'm always trying to ground, ground but I do my best. Um, so, so your seasonal reality of mother is also the full moon archetype. Like this is my time to give of my gifts and claim of my space and be unmovable. The, the full rose, like I am fully open to life, fully offering my gifts, the, the rooted mother tree, like unmovable giving of my gifts, the shade receive, you know, I am the shade and the shelter. I, but I also receive deeply from the roots and I'm deeply nourished and I offer that. And, you know, we live in the cyclical way. So really like a mother for me is like full moon, summer of my life, glory time. And also like, so rooted. Mm. So it's the middle of one's life. Mm is meant to be the time when we do root and give of our gifts like mm-hmm. it's we have found ourselves this has nothing to do with biological mothering I have to say it over and over and over again because mother is such a trigger word in the patriarchy when the the feminine has been so degraded into this death mother um, you know, abusive mother, absent mother, addicted mother, fragile mother, overbearing mother, that before this like healthy earth wolf mother lover warrior archetype that I'm bringing back through this work that we're bringing back through this work. So, so yeah, I say, you know, it is one thing to be a mother. It is another thing to be in mother in the archetype of I am fully bloomed. I, can, I am I am mother to myself and mother to this world and meaning like I stand for this world I care for this fucking world I hear its cries I don't turn away I run to the roar you know what I mean <laughs> I know what you mean that so but it's like I got me and I got this world mm-hmm. like I'm sovereign and interconnected and so is there an archetype then of the unmothered woman that you would recognize just like ha- just talking to someone for a few minutes or like a little while what are some of the signs of the the maiden or the unmothered woman is there a difference between those two let's start with signs of wounded maidenness okay um it started with mine you know it started with realizing where were the women like bell hooks in all about love has this great um passage about um in in her family in her black family they they were talking about how miraculous it was when women got older um like culturally like how wise they got how revered they became you know like the trees outside like the the oldest in the forest are the most wisest and beautiful and most revered right mm-hmm. the most, you know and, and she was like I couldn't wait <laughs> to grow old the way these women were speaking of it and then in my like fragile white patriarchal household it was like how many neck tucks can you know can we talk mm-hmm. about getting or like you know how can we stay young on the outside which keeps us frozen mm-hmm. on the inside and so like I I heard this term woman thrown around all the time, but I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw everyone terrified of reacting. 
active and addicted and depressed and um and by the time I got to my age, my by the time I got to mid thirties, I was like, I'm supposed to be grown up. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be a woman, but I'm constantly surrounded by, and I I am reactive. I am vain. I am insecure. I'm very fragile. I'm always seeking out. I'm utterly atrophied on the inside because I'm focused constantly on the outside. All I think about is what everybody thinks of me. I am utterly reliant on everybody's external opinion of me. So my life is like, <laughs> you know, just up and down, up and down. I have no, I have no idea what confidence it is. Um, and this is when I'm, you know, kind of like a, like um, a little hot thing on the spiritual seat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did you have a different brand before? Sorry, do but, it, girl. Yeah, my do pen. it, girl. That's what it is. Yeah, and it was very maiden. I mean. Do it, girl. Do it, girl. Yeah. Like for me as a woman, the emphasis is always on how I'm being. Yeah. Mm. So, um, but girls, maidens are seekers and doers. That is Mm. their time. Mm -hmm. So it was appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it was seasonally appropriate until it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Now we're little girls walking around in women's bodies and we're reactive, terrified. Now I'm throwing, and you know, com- competing with each other, um, terrified of each other, um, com- com- yeah, competitive. Um, don't trust each other. Don't trust themselves. Um, and now, um, you know, at the, around that time, I'm throwing retreats, and we're like, "Wow, women are going to save the world!" And then, like, the women showing up at these retreats are like, it's like glorified sleepovers, like cat fights and bullying and clicks and mean girls and like, "Ooh, you whore!" You know, and like, I'm like, I'm like. Okay, these women are my reflection. What are, what is this reflection? And I was like, and that's when I started to be like, okay, Marion Woman talks about the mature feminine. I know I am not that. So I am the immature feminine. And why am I stuck in this phase? What is this phase? Blah, blah, blah. I started putting it all together. I'm like, well, I'm a maiden that never made it into archetypal mother, which is then I had to piece together what that was through our ancestors, what mm-hmm. I felt them, what I saw them doing, what I read about them doing these fucking animal like women that could like break bears with their bare hands mid building their own thatch hut in a rainstorm. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, this doesn't feel real. At least construct of my false, you know, femininity is like, I mean, hard, these women were hard. We are, we are actually hard fucking core. We don't mm-hmm. miss that. We all miss it. We want to go from terrified to terrifying. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so yeah, around that time, I would write all these traits down. You know, reactive, moving from reactive to responsive is like 101 for maturity. Mm-hmm. You know, and that comes with a deep self-confidence, a deep rootedness, a deep self-peace, self-trust, boundaries, you know, um, and this is all the work is getting in there and, and remothering yourself. So, and um, so an unmothered woman is basically like, you know, a leaf trembling in the wind. Mm-hmm. Like she is the candle that gets blown out by any gust. You know, because she's never had someone behind her saying, I'll always be here. No one will ever put out your light. 
you go out there, you live those fucking dreams and you try every single one. And if you fall down, I'm right here to pick you back up. I believe in everything. You are, you are capable of anything you want. Every breath you take is a miracle. I love you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Try and, and if you fail, you know, I'll help you get back up and one day you will fly. I will be there. You know, like, mm-hmm. boom, like I... I know who I am. My mother has sung my gifts alive. She has told me who I am. So this world cannot tell me and cannot break me. And she, you know, I have someone always in my corner, you know? And then there's those of us that went out with like, my own mother couldn't love me. She must've hated me. What, what, how could anyone love me if my own mother couldn't love me? Um, I'm a burden every, you know, any scrap of love I'll take. Um, I'm used to abuse. So that's my norm. So bosses, blah, blah, blah until we almost died mm-hmm. and then we were like and then it, and then until I tried to kill myself and then it's like what was missing the mother but mm-hmm. not my mother what am I talking about the great mother who's yeah. that what are her art attributes where is she what did they do to her so you had a difficult relationship with your mother before she died of cancer when you and your twin sister were 17 mm-hmm. and um you, you said earlier, like, where were the women? And I'm very curious, you know, I, your book is beautiful. And there was this gap for me where I was like, where are all the adults? What literally happened in the year after she died? Like, when you look back now, are you like, oh, there were some surrogates? Like, I don't know, I can look back. I'm estranged with my mom for the last 13 years. And so I, but I can look back and be like, oh, I did have the mother of my best friend. I had that teacher, I had people, but did you have any people or were you pretty much on your own from 17? Um, yeah, from there I didn't, I, I just had alcohol and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so you were trying to figure this all out, 17 years old with your sister and so you just started being a party girl? Like you still managed to get a job at Rolling Stone. You still managed some things. So like, what was that year after? Like, All of my maiden wiles. Um, well, um, <laughs> I went straight to the school where she had been. My mother was the chief of staff at the University of Virginia. And I did not want to go there. I was hell bent on going to uh, Kenyon um, for writing. Um, but I had been in denial that my mother was that sick. Cause I was a child. I had no reference mm-hmm. for it, but still I was blamed for those not understanding that. Um, and by these uninitiated adults, you know, um, and so I, I kind of just kicked a suitcase down the street to the school, this college I didn't want to go to. And I was this kid who just lost her mom and in a culture that speaks not of grief or death, especially, you know, what is this 20 some years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just started to drink. I was around all these really rich women and rich girls and I had no mother, I had no, you know, no money really, cause we weren't gonna get that until we were in our twenties and then I wasted it anyway. But um, yeah, I was poor. Uh, my dad and I weren't in a good relationship. He was with another woman. And uh, I just, I just got lost. That's the beginning of the end. Like I walked, it's like walking into like 
the darkest fucking maze of my life. I can feel like my breasts hurting right now, thinking of <laughs> you as a child, you know, like my, my son is 18, but I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, this lost child. I just want to like bring 17 years. I could possibly get without dying because I did try to kill myself and I had a Kundalini awakening at uh, 31, but <clears throat> I got as lost as a woman as anyone can get. For how many years? From 17 to 31. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on this journey to become the mother that you never had before you hit your kundalini awakening, which I want to get to in a second, you probably had a lot of ideas formed about who your mother was. At 17, you think you know who your mother is. And then you're going through your 20s. And maybe I'm curious, looking back now, being the age you are, being a mother yourself, have any of your ideas about your mother changed? Like, how did you see her through those maiden eyes at the time? And do you see her now on the other side, initiated into the, into the mother? Do you see her differently through your mother eyes? Yeah, I see my mother in... 380 or whatever the math is on that when you go all the way around. <laughs> around and a little more yeah uh, did I add a smidge <laughs> that would be my ADHD or autism or neurodivergence just throw something at the patriarchy and say I'm not patriarchal and get me out of here um, so, <laughs> you have to binary anything whatever you want to call it just say I don't have your consciousness um, so um Yeah, I mean, my mother and I have done massive healing work. Um, from 17 to 31, all I did was like drink, fucking die. Like I didn't focus on, no one told me how to focus on my mom. No one told me how to grieve. No one, um, no one told me, you know, oh, well, now you're in the underworld. Allow Ereshkigal to care for you. Bring your council of women around you to hold you while you grieve, weep, and die, you know? No <laughs> one. The shit I do with women all the time now, you know, um, I am literally, I mean, my life is just literally walking necessity is the mother of invention <laughs> over and over again. What, what did I need that women, you know, and I mean, what did I need? Um, and so, you know, I was just thrown to the mechanical wolves of a patriarchal culture, a death rate, a death culture, a rape culture, a war culture, a machinist culture. And I was a neurodivergent grieving witch. And um, so, for, so, um, but this, the work with my mother started like hardcore, I guess, like I got my book deal for Sounds True for Maiden's Mother about four years ago. And I had started teaching the work about like six and a half years ago. Um, about like this bridge from maiden to mother and the archetype of the mother, the archetype of the wounded maiden, the archetype of the healthy maiden, and all the different archetypes of like shadow mother and all that, um, along with Marion Woodman's work. And I've come very full circle on that because there's a woman named Syl Reynolds who sat with Marion Woodman for 20 years before she died. And now I now sit with Syl Reynolds. Mm -hmm. So we keep Marion's work alive and um, long story even longer <laughs> um I think it was when I was building the the mother archetype from all these pieces you know 
crafting her um, from shattered pieces the way we shattered the mother and I was crafting her back with all these like strength and courage and resilience like everything I it was the the opposite of all the mother all of my traits were the mother traits like the my, my reactivity was her responsiveness my insecurity was her inner security my um my um my externally seeking was her inner sourcedness you know like she was uh you know my vanity was her deep seated confidence and self love you know i mean I built her slowly from the opposite. And then it was, what did I need from my mother? What did I wish she had been? What do I wish she had got done for herself? How do I wish she had modeled courage and in, in challenge and in conflict? How do I wish she had modeled love? How, you know, like, um, and, um, and then I got to this place where my mother, I, I was no longer mad at her. I was mad for her looking at just how much programming and oppression she was under and how she never got to bloom and she never got loved and she never got seen and she never got held and she never got hurt either. And there's a long fucking line of patriarchal oppression that created our mothers to just do the fucking bidding for them, which is to smash our wild feminine, smash our you know strength, our courage, our resilience, our fighter. And they did that for the patriarchy because they had, had that done to them and were told it was love don't stick out, you'll die. I'm doing this for you. Like, don't be weird. Don't do, you know, don't be gay. Don't be blah, blah, blah. Don't be, you know, always act polite and you'll survive. Stay pretty and polite and you'll survive, you know, and it's killed us. Mm -hmm. So your relationship with your mother has changed. For now, um, you know, she holds me at night. She's never did that in the real world. Has your journey from maiden to mother influenced the relationships that still live amongst patriarchy, like with your twin sister, with your dad? Yeah. I mean, after my midlife awakening, I just, I have burned all the veils of between my false self. And if I find any more, I'll keep burning them. Um, and I don't hide for anybody. I am in my, I just shine as like the you know I'm in the, the summer of my life I'm in my you know this is my time and um I think just when you have the that the energy of the mother is the energy of the room and so if I'm in that a room and I'm just shining love and joy and celebration of us being together that's the energy of the room mm -hmm. can we talk about patriarchy in a more specific way for a second because there was a scene in your book it's a brief scene you move over it very quickly but I was like I mean I, I, I was pretty sickened actually like so I was hoping you would be I yeah would. you're in the grip of grief and substance abuse and yeah. you start having a panic attack it sounds yeah. like you're like at a club or a bar and you're having a panic attack uh, between like getting rounds at a bar and your friend is concerned but you're you're now ex-fiance but like then fiance just yeah. rolls his eyes and yeah. says I think rather cruelly yeah. she always does this these cries for help so yeah. How did you feel then hearing him utter those words? And how do you feel about it now? Tim, 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 Tim. Oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. Ah, you know, so, but that was a hard one because I did love Tim with everything I had and which was nothing, which that's my line about Tim, but, and um, he did the best he could. And I think he was, it was, you know, the last year 
where I had just bloated up like Stevie Nicks on Valium and I had no purpose. I was only now just like his fan groupie wife, um, you know, pre-wife or whatever. And, um, and it was getting really hard to keep me along, keep me alive. Mm. And um, I, I just, it was really a moment for me to hear him say that the, my editor, I kind of tangled on that. She wanted, it would really happen sitting on a, a dirty sidewalk in the East village and this borrowed um, dress that was 12 sizes too small for me. And I was on, I was in between, I was trying to always get off of these Valiums and I couldn't. And I think that night I was out of them. So I was in between vodka cranberry drinks and I was, I couldn't breathe. And I sat down on the sidewalk and I know why now I couldn't breathe. The next day I had an interview at Spin Magazine and I would show up hungover without my wallet in the same dress. And they would just be like, no, like I kept trying to get my old life back as I felt it slipping away. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, I looked like what got spit out of the other end of the rock and roll machine as a woman. Like, if you can imagine, <laughs> like, it was just, <laughs> you know, just, and I, and I remember he's, oh, she always does it. These cries for help. And, you know, and I think in, deep within me, something was going, well, then fucking answer them someone. But like, he, he couldn't, there was only mm -hmm. so much an uninitiated man in our culture could do, you know, and there was a long waiting list of groupies and you know, <laughs> uh, who knows he, you know, um, uh, he's happily married now, but I, I, um, there was a cruelness and a coldness that I had romanticized about, I had glossed over and there was, mm -hmm. it was certainly there, certainly there. As a journalist, was that um, sticky at all for you? Like, did you talk to Tim and be like, hey, I'm going to just drop this scene in here of you being a, like, class A dick? <laughs> like, did you just... He's so funny. I texted him and I was like, I'm writing about you and uh, I'm writing our story and it deserves to be heard. Those kids really tried their damnedest. And he's like, Sarah, what an honor to share our story with the world. I trust anything you say. And then I did send him the book and he's like, I'm so proud of you, but I haven't heard what he thought of Okay. <laughs> That's great. I mean, maybe he's hearing it through like, I see her crying for help and I can't do more. That's like the generous way I could like read into that. <laughs> like knowing that you have this loving context. It's like, okay, that was, I, I guess that's no, a way of him. We had no way to, you know, we, we didn't know what love was. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so when you consider the growing misogyny, um, particularly in, in, so in the American context, I'm in Canada, but it's happening here too, um, particularly the repealing of reproductive rights and threats to bodily autonomy, especially of women, um, people with uteri, trans people, how do you now feel called to direct your energy? Like when or where do you feel most effective in that warrior archetype of battling the patriarchy? Great question, thanks for asking. Um, I feel most called to center black, indigenous and women of color leaders. I feel um, called to, as Bell Hook says, reform, resurrect intersectional uh, feminism as a political party. I feel compelled to decenter whiteness, decenter hyper individual white women as I mean it's not part of the feminist movement. So I'm about talking about intersectional feminism, which is like 
freedom from oppression for all from oppression for all bodies under patriarchy. Um, and the idea and and the core conclusion of you know climate crisis being um, 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 due to colonial racism, and um, and so if, to center Black women here and in, Indigenous women here, and specifically women and women of color, uh, is to center the earth, hmm. and to center the earth is and to save the earth to 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 center Black Indigenous women of color is to center also the great mother. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so black feminists, so for more white women to divest, for, more, for white women to divest from whiteness, uh, to center black feminist thought and indigenous policies towards the climate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and really all, anybody who's in the way, get the fuck out of the way and get behind um, these black indigenous women leaders, but like, at, but call, to the front an intersectional feminist party and let's choose our leaders because yes we are all very different we all have different creeds different races different beliefs different backgrounds but we can all come together about this one goddamn thing our earth the mother of us all the planet and home for us all the home for our children the creatures the very air we breathe we we can come together on this we can we can and must put everything aside and on this one all of us women mm -hmm. give a fucking shit yeah we're mad at each other we're offended but blah, blah, blah. who cares mm -hmm. who cares put it down maidens come together mothers mm -hmm. and save mm -hmm. the planet so mm -hmm. like we need a we need an intersectional political party like right now in my opinion mm -hmm. led by black indigenous people of color yes mm -hmm. with depatriarchalized decolonized leaders Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How now, as initiated mother, do you cope with grief and rage? Grief and rage instead of how I you're. I feel it all the fucking time. <laughs> I rage. I scream. I howl. I roar, and then I also weep and cry, and I'm hit the floor, and I, and I share it with my sisters, and I feel it with them. And then I also celebrate that I'm alive and I feel joy. I let it all happen to me. Mm -hmm. but, but grief and, and rage right now, the, the rage of the mother, the sacred war, the, the righteous rage of no is so powerful as an art form to contain it and to commune together and direct it towards something to be mad, not at the world, but for this world with our rage, you know? And then the weeping, touching what weeps in us, touching what we've lost in this world and this lies with the world, you know, touching our grief so that we can be with the world's grief. Hmm. And we cannot birth this new earth before we stop and grieve and say, this has not worked. This world is over. Hmm. Let us let it go and build mm -hmm. the bones. Mm -hmm. But we now know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much for everything You're you welcome. shared, Sarah. I appreciate you diving in and taking us on the journey. I highly recommend people read your book, Made Into Mother. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. What an honor. Find the show notes with links to Sarah's work at numinouspodcast.com. And thank you for listening today, my friends. And a special shout out to all you listeners, wherever you are in the world, who are amplifying the work of the women of Iran.
right now. Power to the women and freedom fighters of Iran, all of those fighting for sovereignty right now. Once again, you'll find links in the show notes for ways you can support their efforts. And my friends, the Spirited Kitchen is now in stores. If you like it and you want to let me know, the way to do that is to write a review on Goodreads or Amazon. I'm going to make myself read each and every one. And hey, you know what? If you don't like it, like if you that's fine. If you decide actually it's just really not your jam, I'd love you to tell me in your review on Goodreads or Amazon who you think my book is for. You know, if you're like, it was a one star for me, but like anyone who's really into social justice and French cooking would probably like it, then that is an awesome one-star review. It's honest and it's not mean. (laughs) If you love it, of course, I deeply appreciate hearing that for sure. And thanks for taking the time, no matter what you rate it. Hey, last thing, if you were hoping to try out the Numinous Network, but you missed the last free week and you're wanting to know like when I'm going to offer one of those again, you need to get on my newsletter free week's going to happen again late November. So sign up for my newsletter on my website at carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.